Let's get started right now, okay? Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side when he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the, the boat, battered by the waves, was, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. All right, well, good morning, everybody. I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here, and it is super fun to be able to, 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 to spend some time with you guys today. I'm super fired up about what God has in store for us today. I think it's something that we all need to hear, and it's hopefully something that will encourage us and help us to take a step closer to Jesus' as a result. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get started right now. I don't have time to talk about the fact that it was a fourth string defense last night. Fourth string defense against your number one quarterback in the fourth quarter. So I don't have time to talk about that. We'll just get right into this, okay? So let's pray, and then, and then we'll dig into it. Father, we are thankful for this chance to, to be here uh, with you today. We're thankful to get into your scripture. God, you've got a lot of scripture for us today. And so we pray that, that our, our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, our pens would be out, that we'd be, that we'd be taking the notes that we need to help remind us of who you are in this world today. So God, we pray that, that you, would, you would speak to us, draw us closer to you today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, so, so this passage that I just read is, is a passage that I have preached on a number of times, okay? Uh, it's, I love it. Uh, it this day is, a, is an epic day in the life of Jesus. John the Baptist died that morning. Jesus goes off with his disciples, and, and, uh, and, and, he, and people followed him, and they were hungry, so he's fed 5,000 people that day. And then after he fed the 5,000 people, he sent his disciples off into a boat, and he went off to himself to pray. And when the disciples went off in the boat, that night it got really, it was the stormy, the winds and the waves were going. The disciples got fearful. Remember, these are people that were fishermen. They know this, this world on this water and they were, it was that scary. They were that afraid. And about four in the morning, Peter, or Jesus decides, I'm going to go out there and help him out. So he decides, I don't need a boat. I'm just going to walk on the water. And Jesus walks on the water out to his disciples. Peter sees him. They think it's a ghost. Peter says, is, is it a ghost? He said, no, it's me, Jesus. And so Peter says, well, if it's you, send me, ask me to come out on the water. And so, I mean, I love this passage because Jesus says, come on out. And so Peter jumps out of the boat, steps on the water. It, he feels it around his ankles, takes those steps towards Jesus. He's like, what in the world is happening here? But as he got closer to Jesus, the winds and the waves picked up more and more. And so he started to focus more on that. And so he started to sink. He got down to his knees, got down to his waist. Jesus finally reaches in, pulls him back out and says, brother, 
Why are you doubting? Come on. And so he says, where's your faith? And so he pulls him out and gets him back in the boat and he calms the storm. Man, every time I've preached on that passage, every time I've preached on it, we've talked about how we can relate. We can relate to Peter that times that we'll jump out of the boat and we'll start moving towards Jesus and we'll start doing what God is calling us to do, but then the things of this world get in the way and we lose our focus and we start to sink. Man, that's the, I've always related to that. But this time was different. As I was thinking about this passage, I spent a lot of time in this passage over the last couple of weeks. What I started to think about was I think we relate to somebody else, not to Peter in this story. I think we relate far more to the disciples in the boat than we do to Peter. We relate to those guys that are saying, thank God he called out Peter and not me. Come on, don't we relate far more to that where you're just going, that's Jesus. And Peter says, um, uh, come, uh, invite me out. And he says, okay. And they're just going, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God it's not me. Because if that was me, if Peter, Peter has a ton of faith. And if Peter sinks right near Jesus, what would have happened to me with my pathetic faith that I've got? We would have been those people that jumped out of the boat and sank right there. And go, we didn't get a step into this. We didn't get to feel one step on the water. We relate far more to those guys that are going, send somebody else to do it. Send somebody that's got far more faith. I'm str- I struggle in my faith. Today we want to talk about that. Today we want to talk about the confidence or the lack of confidence we have in our faith on a daily basis. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. Now, there's a reason why this basketball hoop is out I haven't used a big prop in a long time, so it's time for me to bring one back out again. You guys, one, you put it too close, Chris. This is not a free throw from here. Um, You guys, I I played basketball in high school. I want to tell you a little bit about my life in high school playing ball. I I played baseball, basketball, and football, and Maurice just says, Bill, you did not play basketball. And I said, yeah, I did. I was skinnier. I was faster back then. I played basketball from Mead High School in, in Spokane. And, and you know, we were, we were a good team. We were going to head off to state. You know, we were, we were uh, in the playoffs. And, and I got to play. I didn't get to play all the time, but I got to play because I was our defensive specialist. I got to be the one to guard their best player to shut them down. I loved that because it was sheer determination. That's all it was. I, we called it denial defense that kept him from getting the ball. And so I got to guard that person. So I got to be in the game. But you guys... Here's my problem. I couldn't hit the side of a barn with a jump shot. I was a terrible, terrible shooter in high school. And so I had one job, play defense. We had one game that we were in the playoffs and we're moving, our, moving towards states and it's near the end of the game and I'm at the top of the key and, and I'm alone, no one's guarding me and I took the shot and I banked it in and, and, and the other team called timeout and I come to the sideline, some guys are high-fiving me. Coach Preston comes up to me and he says, Stevens, don't shoot. You know, I'm sitting there thinking he's going to high five me and go, no way, you made it. He's saying, don't shoot. That's how bad of a shooter I was. That even when I did it right, coach is going, that ain't right. Don't think you're going to do that again. Okay. That's who I was. I was a defensive guy. But the problem with a defensive guy that, can, that can't shoot is at the end of games, the other team fouls you to put you on the line. 
because they're going, that guy can't make a free throw if he tried. So that's me. They'd foul me. They tackled me back then. Hawkins, this, the quarterback for Gonzaga Prep, tackled me in the playoffs to put me on the line at the end of the game because he's going, that guy cannot make a shot. You guys, I was terrible from the line. I'm talking Shaquille O'Neal was, was someone I envied, that he was a better shooter than I was from the line at the time. I was terrible. I, here, and here's why. I'd stand at the line, and I could hear the dribble. I could hear it. Everyone was quiet. And I'd stand there to shoot it, and all I could think of was, don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. And the only way you can really embarrass yourself when you shoot a free throw is not missing a free throw. That's not embarrassing. It's airballing a free throw. Airball on a free throw is when you don't make contact with anything. Against Lewis and Clark High School, I, I did a solid air ball. And, every, and I'm a point guard, so every time I'm dribbling the ball, they're yelling, air ball, air ball. So that's me. So I'm standing there. I could hear the dribble. And I'm thinking, it's not a free throw that you get to free points. It is don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. Hit the rim. Hit the rim. Just hit the rim. That's all I'm thinking. We're in the middle of a playoff run, and I'm going, just hit the stupid rim. Okay, a um, couple of worship guys, come on up. Donnie, J Jeff, you got to protect your stuff here because I'm going to take my shot. Because I can't guarantee that it's not going to just go way over there. If it does, I succeeded. It hit the rim, okay? Okay, all right. Here we go. See how much I've improved in... Okay, okay, look, you guys, don't clap. You guys, you're done, you're done. I will not do that again. That is a drop the mic moment right there. 17% senior year in high school. 17%, look at you guys are going, oh, that's really bad. Yeah, 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 that was me, that was me. I was terrified of stepping to the line, terrified of these 15 feet. I made that, by the way, because that's only a nine-foot basketball. <laughs> if it was 10, it would have been an air ball. Terrified of this, of this moment right here. Every single day, Jesus is calling us out of the boat. Every single day, he's asking us to step to the line. He's saying, take the shot. Come on, take the shot. It's a conversation you might have with a neighbor. It's a conversation you might have with your daughter. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a, a challenge that you face in front of you today that's going to take faith to do it. It's a, it's a decision that you need to make. It's a risk that you need to take. Every single day, you face, you, you, you face questions of faith. You face challenges of faith. You face those moments where he's saying, come on out of the boat, tow the line, shoot the shot. And you guys, so many of us, our response is just what I was in high school. Don't put me on the line. Don't put me on the line. I don't know if I have that kind of faith. You guys, we're talking about a, a gospel-centered church, Ascent 2.0, and we want to be a church of people of faith. We want people that are going to take the risk and are going to hear the voice and say, I'm going to step into that conversation. I'm going to step into that challenge. I'm going to do that. We want to be people like that, people of faith. But are we scared to death to step to the line to do it? 
with the minimal faith that most of us, that most of us carry. I think that's, now some of you might say, no, I've had a faith in Jesus since I was in seventh grade. Now, let's call that our belief. I have a, I've believed in, in, in who God is in seventh grade, but I'm talking about a faith. I'm talking about an active, present, everyday, challenge, confident, trusting faith that we see in our thoughts and we see in our decisions, we see in our actions. I'm talking about that kind of faith. And a lot of us, man, we'd say, I don't have a very strong one. I don't have a very strong one. N.T. Wright is a great author, wrote a lot of great books, very smart guy. And he sold a lot of books. I think the reason why he sold this one is because of the title, Small Faith, Great God. Because I think a lot of us can relate to, yeah, yeah, that's me. There's a great God out there and I have got a really small faith around it. I want us to be honest with ourselves in this, you guys. I want us to be honest with just how much do we walk with just a, man, I just don't have the faith that I know that I want to have. Well, what, kind of, what am I talking about? What, kind of, what, what, what is faith? The definition of faith in, in the New Testament, we get that out of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, he says this. He says, this is the definition. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's a confidence in what we hope for and an assurance of what we do not see. My, my, my question, though, is, is if you hear, if you, when you hear that definition, does that make you want to step to the line? A confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. Okay, now because of that definition, I'm ready to take this shot. Well, I mean, in, in our weakest moments, can't we, can't we paraphrase that too as an acceptance of what we imagine to be true and that which we cannot prove? Couldn't we, couldn't we paraphrase it that way? And if that's the case, I don't want to take the shot. Five different times in Jesus' life with his disciples, he looked at his disciples and he says, you of little faith. Five different times he said that. He said that when they were worried, when they were fearful, when they doubted, when they were in need. He said, you of little faith. I look at that and I'm going, man, how many times have I stood on the line in a day with worry, with fear, with, with doubt, and where I'm in need, and now you're telling me, Jesus, that if I miss this shot, your response to me is going to be, you of little faith. That makes me not want to take the shot at all. In fact, that makes me want to get onto the bench that makes me want to get to the end of the bench. I don't even want to be on the field. I don't want the court. I don't want to be, I don't, want, I don't even want to make eye contact with the coach because if you make eye contact, he's going to say, Stevens, into the game. I don't even want to be in the game if that's going to be the response. You of little faith. There's a pastor in Oklahoma, Craig Rochelle, and he wrote this book called The Christian Atheist. And, and about a decade ago, and I was doing college ministry, and, and all of us picked up this book, and we all wanted to read it. We were intrigued by the title, and then especially we were intrigued by the table of contents, the different chapters. When you believe in God, but aren't sure he loves you. When you believe in God, but not in prayer. When you believe in God, but won't forgive. When you believe in God, but don't think you can change. When you believe in God, but still worry all the time. When you believe in God, but trust more in money. When you believe in God, but not in this church. See, the whole premise of this book was believe in God, 
but live as if he doesn't exist. It's when you believe in God, but you live going, I don't, I don't know if he's actually going to respond to me. You guys, this, this book was all about faith or lack of faith. And we look around and we go, what am I missing? When I see those folks that have this great faith, what am I missing? You ask that question, or you sometimes go, I remember the day when I had great faith. I remember when I trusted and walked with a confidence and looked at Scripture to guide me, and God was right there with me, and I had this great faith, but something happened, a disappointment in the church or disappointment with somebody in the church or something happened in this world that, or, or an unanswered prayer. And the next thing you know, you start going, man, I don't know if I have that faith anymore. What do we do? What do we do with this? Today, I really think I've been so fired up about this talk because I think that, that, that Jesus talks to us about this in Scripture that can help those of us that walk feeling like we have this just this almost embarrassing or I just don't want to embarrass myself faith. Jesus speaks to us about that. And so let's spend some time in Scripture. Let's talk through this a little bit more. You guys. Uh, first, I just got to thank Andy Stanley for helping me in this. He's a pastor in Atlanta, and he, he did a number of talks on faith, and I listened to him. In a lot of ways, it helped shape me in, in how, I, how I look at it. One of the things he pointed out that was really great for me to, to, to read was he said, look at how many times Jesus was amazed at people in Scripture, where he actually said, I'm amazed. I marvel at you. That's the Greek. That Greek word means marvel. Twice. Two times in all of Scripture, Jesus says, I, I, I'm amazed. It's not when they were, they were wise. It wasn't, he wasn't amazed at our wisdom. He wasn't amazed at our, at, our, uh, at our obedience. It was both times around faith. One was good and one was bad. The first one was the good. He, he, was, he was amazed at this guy that came to him. It was a Roman centurion. It was a Roman guard, okay? Remember, he was a, that's an enemy for a lot of people that were hanging out with Jesus. And this Roman guard comes to Jesus, and he says, he says Jesus, he says, I, my servant is sick. My servant's sick. Will you, will you help me? Hold up, I'm not quite ready for that yet. He says, my, my servant is sick. Will you help me? And so, and, 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 and what's, what's happening is Jesus hears him and Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, I'm, he's been healing a bunch of people. And so Jesus says, yes, I, I, I hear you and, and I'll, I'm coming with you. I'll come back to your place. And the, and the Roman soldier says to him, he says, man, I, I know that you could do this without even coming to my house. You could heal him from right here. And Jesus is looking at him and he's going, because Jesus, you and I, we have something more in common than other people might think. This is a Roman soldier. He says, you and I have something more in common than other people might think. And he goes, he, and that's when he, he gives him this. He says, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Because I, have, I, I represent an authority. I represent something far bigger than me. I, re I represent the Roman Empire. 
I represent the Roman government. I represent Caesar himself. And so when I say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. They have to follow it because I, I speak with that authority and that power. And he looks at Jesus and he's going, I've seen what you do. You are speaking with an authority and you are, you are doing things with an authority that nobody gets. I don't get it either. I don't know where you're getting it from, but you have a power and authority that is so much greater than any of us can even put our arms around. And in the same way that I say, if it's going to be done, it's going to be done, you represent something where if it's going to be done, it's going to be done because you have the authority to make that happen. And he says, so I don't even think you have to go to my house. I think you could heal my servant from right here. And that's when Jesus looks at him. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such a great faith. Now, you can imagine what the disciples had to think when he said that. The disciples had to be going, what? This Roman soldier comes to you asking for you to heal his servant. He tells you his job, and now you're telling me that he has great faith? What about us? We have been following you forever. We have been listening to you. We've been obeying you. What about us? Why would we not be looked at with great faith? Why has he got such great faith and we don't? Why? Let's go to the next one, and I'll come back to that one then. Okay, so the next one is the opposite side of this. Jesus goes to, back to his hometown. And, and in his hometown, he even said, a, 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 a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. It's like my brother who's a doctor. You know, I go back to see him, and I say, Mike, man, is there something, what's wrong with me? And Mike will give me a diagnosis, and I'm going, but you're just Mike. <laughs> you're just my brother. Come on. He's a doc, but he's just my brother, See, Jesus goes back to his hometown, and these people that are sitting there are going, you're the Messiah? Uh-huh. You're the Messiah. Aren't you Joe's son? This was the beginning of Joe Schmo, okay? Because this is where they're just going, you're the son of Joe Schmo over there. You're a carpenter. He said, they said this. They said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They were offended because Jesus is coming to them saying, I am the Messiah. And they're looking at him going, you are not. Delusions of grandeur. You're just Jesus the carpenter. You are not the son of God. You're not the Messiah. And Jesus looks at him, and he says this. It says this. He was amazed at their lack of faith. What is it? What's going on here, you guys? Why, why would Jesus be so amazed at a Roman centurion and so amazed at these guys' lack of faith because they don't see him as anything more than the carpenter? What, what, Jesus knows that faith is directly linked to him. It's not linked to religion. It's not linked to a philosophy. It's not linked to other people and the people that surround him. He knows that faith is directly linked to an object. And that object is him. And he's going, that's going to be your guys' definition of faith. 
You have to see me. It is me. It is not the stuff around me. It's not the philosophies that follow me. It is me. He's saying, put your weight down on me. That Roman centurion, he recognized, you have the authority to do something that nobody else can do. And Jesus is going, you see me. When he went to his hometown, he's going, they're saying, you are not the son of God. And they're going, you see, he says, you see me. And I'm amazed that you don't have faith in me. And I'm amazed you do have faith in me. And it's, it, it's, it's the faith in the object. You guys, I have this ridiculous fear of bridges, ridiculous fear of bridges. And in Seattle, there's a, there, going to my brother's place in, in, in Gig Harbor, there's, it's called the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. It is a scary bridge to drive over, and especially for someone that's afraid of bridges. When I go across that, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have confidence in the thought of a bridge that stays. I don't have, I don't have confidence in the philosophy of bridges. I can have confidence in that engineer that put that bridge together to make sure it ain't going to fall when I drive across it. Jesus is going, I am the object of your faith. Nothing else but me. Put your weight down on me. You think about how many people will say, I lost my faith. And you guys, every time I talk to anybody that says they lost their faith, it wasn't in Jesus It was in something that surrounded it. It was in the church. It was in a pastor that really disappointed him. It was in a decision that was made by the church. It was a philosophy of the church. It was a person in the church that offended them and they lost their faith. But it wasn't in the person of Jesus. See, Jesus looks at that Roman centurion and says, you got it right. I have authority. And my authority comes from my Father. And if you want to know my Father, you will know me. If you want to know my Father's ways, get to know me. At the end of Jesus' life, right before he was arrested, he, he looked at his disciples and, and, he, and he said this. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know that you're going to have stuff that will, que- you will make you question your faith. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. See, your hearts are going to be troubled by stuff, believing God. You, Andy points this out, that there's a, there's a, there it wasn't a word for trust in Greek. And so what John did is he put two words together, believe in, believe in. If you're going to believe in God, believe in me. And that was, that, that was his way of saying, this is how you trust me. Believe in God, believe in me. I kind of get that. When Jackie and I were dating in college, I said I love you to her right after we, I mean, we were first, first started dating and I don't know, we made out one day and I turned to her and I said, hey, I love you. And, I, and then I broke up with her and we dated other people and it's like, okay, so did I even know what love was? And I just said, so later I told her when we got back together, I said, Jackie, when I say I'm in love with you, you're gonna know I mean it. And she's looking at me funny and I'm just going, yeah, I mean, I love a hot dog, but I'm not in love with a hot dog. Sometimes I feel like I'm in love with a hot dog, but, <laughs> but you'll know that. And I know that sounds weird and it's semantics and it's like, it's like yeah, did you get that off The Bachelor? I might have. But no, The Bachelor wasn't there then. It's, they took it from me. But, it's, but there's something, there was something deeper. And Jesus is going, believe in, if you want to believe in God, believe in me. Because... 
This is why I came here. You will see God when you see me. You will hear God when you hear me. You will understand God as you come to understand me. It's believe in me. And this, this is why, this is why he focuses so much on those I am passages. See, remember in, in the Old Testament, Moses comes before God and says, who are you? And God says, I am the I am. I'm everything. And so Jesus in the New Testament comes and says, I am. God is the I, I am the I am. And that's what I am too. And so that's, that's why he says, he says, I am the bread of life. Believe in me. I am the light of the world. Believe in me. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. Believe in me. I am the way. Quit looking for the way. Look for me. I am the way. I am the truth. The veritas. I'm the truth. People say, what really is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Believe in me. He says, I am the life. Believe in me. I am the true vine. Believe in me. It's not the stuff around me. It's me. And put your weight down on that. You guys, we can go back to those passages where he's, where he's, where he's challenging people on their lack of faith. And he's saying to them, you have little faith. Every time he said it, he was looking right at him because now if we think of this perspective of faith, he's looking right at him. He's going, it's me. That's what I want you to know. It's me. And in, in Matthew 6, they're, they're talking about worry. And he says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He's going, the lilies of the field are clothed and God clothes them. How much more does he love his people that he created? He's going to provide for you in your worry. And guys, have faith in what? Have faith in me. When he, when he goes, but when, when the disciples are scared to death on a different time in the boat, he replied to them, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And I love the order. I love the order. I love how at first he got up, winds and waves are going, and he's looking at them all and he's going, it's me. Knock it off, storm. It's me. Do you believe in me? In Matthew 16, 8, the disciples were hungry, and Jesus says, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, because you're not seeing what's right in front of you. Why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? I'm the bread of life. See, when Jesus sank, I mean, when Peter sank in the water, and he looks at him and says, man, why'd you doubt? You have little faith, and he pulls him out. That wasn't a failure of faith. It was just a misguided faith. It was a faith that thought this was about what Peter could do, what I can do on this water, and instead it's going, no, it's me, and you lost your focus on me. There was a point that the disciples were hearing about forgiveness, and they're going, man, this is going to take a ton of faith to forgive. It's going to take a ton of faith. And they looked to Jesus, and they, said, and they asked him, they said, increase our faith and Jesus is just going, oh my gosh, you guys, you still don't get it. And he says, faith as small as this mustard seed. At one point he says, can move a mountain. 
And this one, it, it, he says, is faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say to that mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you because it's not what you can do. It is what Jesus does through you. It's not what you can do. And I think that's why we are so afraid of towing the line and shooting the shot. What can I do? What if I miss? Can I make this shot? And Jesus is going, it don't matter. Stand on the line. Trust me. Have faith. Shoot the shot. And I'm standing right here to get it. It don't matter. And he says this, and he says, and don't underestimate the results. He goes back to that mustard seed analogy. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of the seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants. It becomes a tree, so the birds come and perch in its branches. He looks out there. I've been in the Holy Lands. I've seen this, you guys. There's mustard plants and mustard trees everywhere. You just see these yellow flowers everywhere. And Jesus is going, this, don't underestimate this. This faith, because this little faith and this little mustard seed of faith, if it's put in you, man, underestimate that. If it's put in me, look at how far that can go. You have no idea how far it will go. You've got to trust that I'm just asking you to take the shot, and whatever happens is because I'm going to be the one holding the ball at the end. I just want you to take the shot. You guys, this is why, and this is super important, this is why each day we can stand here and say, I'm ready to take the shot. Because if I make it, okay, I get to feel like a hero. But it doesn't matter. Because it's whatever Jesus is going to do with that. If I hit it off the back rim and I miss it doesn't matter because Jesus is going, man, it's what I'm going to do in you and through you. If I airball it and embarrass myself, it doesn't matter because he's got the ball anyway. And he's going, you took the shot. You stepped out in faith. Trust me. I got the ball now and don't underestimate what I can do with it from here no matter how embarrassed you are. Every time I come up here to speak, you guys, I've been doing this for 30 years. Every time I come up here and speak, I come up here and I don't know if I'm going to hit the mark or not. I don't know if I'm going to make the shot or not. Sometimes I do and people come up and go, wow, that would hit me right and right between the eyes. And I'm just going, man, that's the Holy Spirit at work. And sometimes I'll make the shot. 17% of the time I will. A lot of other times I'll miss, and sometimes I'll airball. You guys, my most embarrassing sermon I ever gave, MCDB A2B70, engineering room at, at University of Colorado, first year that I was on staff there, and I'm running the annex, and there's these students that are sitting in that room, and I'm doing this talk on the Good Samaritan, and I am botching it fully. I mean, I don't have a point. I don't know the direction I'm going. At the end, I said, and that's all I have to say. I didn't know what I was saying. I mean, I watched. I walked out of that room, truly, I walked out of the room, up the stairs, outside, and was in tears at the top of the stairs, and a student came to me to console me. That's okay, Bill. You can have another shot next week. I, that's, I, it was that embarrassing. I stood in the, on the line, and I took the shot, straight air ball. Five years later, no joke, 
I'm driving up to Seattle with a bunch of students in a van. They're all sleeping. One former student's driving the van, and he turns to me and says, Bill, you've never heard my testimony, have you? And I said, no. And he said, he said, I became a Christian at the Annex. And I said, you did? And he said, yeah. He said, it was at one night at the MCDB A2B70, that old room was your first year here at, at church. And he said, he said, and you were talking about the Good Samaritan. And he said, and God got a hold of me. And he said, I've never been the same ever since then. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I'm going, Jay, that's the worst sermon I've ever given. <laughs> Do not underestimate what God is going to do in you and through you if, all, if you just have to stand on the line. You've got to stand here and take the shot, and, and it doesn't matter if it goes in or doesn't, because God's going to use it. This is why when you have that moment to have that conversation with someone and you're scared to death and you don't feel like you're qualified to do it, God's going, take the shot. I got you. Take the shot. Trust me. I'll take the ball no matter what it is. I'm 22 years old and I'm an intern at the Inn in Seattle and a kid in my core group, his brother drowns in Lake Washington and he's in, he's in a coma at Harborview. They're about to pull the plug and he says to me, and Mike Suarez says to me, Bill, my whole family's in that room. They're about to pull the plug. Will you go in there to encourage them and pray for, for, pray for them? before we pull that plug. I'm 22 years old. I don't know one thing about how to console them in a hospital room, nothing. I thought, should I use the Catholic creed that I grew up with? I, I don't know what I was gonna do. And God's saying, take the shot. And it don't matter what you say, because I'm gonna take it. And I'm gonna go the direction I'm gonna go with it. And don't underestimate what I'll do you just respond in faith. It's why when you have a, a moment where God lays something really big on your heart and you don't know what to do with it and it's bigger than you, where you, your heart is breaking for a homeless person and you're going, I don't know how to curb homelessness, but what do I do? And God's saying, take the shot and don't underestimate. When, you, when your heart is breaking for a sex-trafficked women, and you're going, that's millions, millions of women, what would I do? Take the shot. Don't underestimate what I'm going to do. When you stand at the door of the church and, you, and, and, a, and a friend from the LGBT community comes in and they know they're not invited, because, because they'll only be looked at and judged and your heart is breaking because you want so badly for that person to know the love of Jesus, take the shot. It doesn't matter what happens. I'll take it from there. It's when you pull out your wallet in generosity and you're going, I have poor motives. I'd rather keep this to myself. I don't know why I'm doing this. I got rent to pay. I don't know if this will do any good. And he's saying, take the shot. Trust me. And don't underestimate what I'm gonna do with it. So many times there have been people that 
have come to me and they've gone, I, I have two decisions, two places, two directions I gotta go and I keep praying to God, which one should I do? Which direction should I go? And God's not telling me, he's not showing me which direction to go. What do I do next? And Jesus is saying, take the shot. Honor me. Choose this, honor me. Take the shot and don't underestimate it. You might make it. And man, that'll feel great. And you might miss and you'll want another chance. And you might airball it and feel like I don't want to do that ever again. And Jesus is going, but I'm taking any one of those things. Because I've got you. And now I've got the ball. You guys, we are a church. We are a church that needs to lean on the good news, a gospel-centered church that leans on the good news of Jesus and a God that could do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. We have mountains to move. We have mountains to move in our own life. We have mountains to move in our church to help us to draw closer to Jesus. We got mountains to move in this community so that people would draw closer and fall deeper in love with Jesus and know who Jesus is. We've got mountains to move and it's gonna take a group of people that are gonna say, I am not gonna sit in the boat and hope that God calls some other church and God calls some other person. Thank God it was them. But he'll call us and we'll get out of the boat and we'll walk and maybe we'll walk right to him and maybe we'll sink, and maybe the waves will hit. But when they do, he's saying, I still got you. Have faith, have faith in me. Ephesians 3.20, the passage translation says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. My unbelievable dream, I finally made it. We went to state and he's gonna go, man, I'm gonna do so much more than that. I'm gonna be so much more than that. That Hebrews passage, that definition, a, a, a confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Yes, in our weakest moments, we can translate it the way I did earlier. Or we can say this, a confidence in the person of Jesus and an assurance that I have no idea where it will go. I can't see that. I just know that he's got it. And because of that, I'll keep shooting and I'll keep trusting and I'll keep stepping towards it and I'll keep this faith because God's got it. Father, I want to pray that for, for this, this room and this place and this church and the folks that are online and all of us that tend to look at, at this, look at our faith, look at, at our life, and we tend to give ourselves a, 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 we tend to get frustrated ourselves in it, disappointed ourselves in it. God, help us to see your love. Help us to see your care. Help us to see how you see it. Help us to see you, Jesus. And then, Lord, help us to put our weight down on that, on you, so that we can take that next step, trust in that next place, move in that next spot. 
we want to trust you, Lord. And so we pray that we would be a church that leans on the person, on you and what you can do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.